Welcome to Awaken to Grace. I'm Chad Roberts. I'm your Bible teacher today, and we are in Galatians chapter 4, verse 19. Today I want to answer a question that so many people ask, and it's this. Can someone really change? One of the most toxic attitudes that I come across so often is the idea that people can't change. And you know, the Bible really teaches that apart from Christ, we can't change. But with Him, with Christ changing our very nature, yes, someone can absolutely change. Well, that's what we're going to talk about today in the book of Galatians. Paul's prayer for these people is that Christ would be formed in them. We're going to break all that down today, and we're going to talk about what does it look like in my life, in your life, when Christ begins to form in us. What does our attitude look like? What do our decisions begin to look like? What do our actions start to look like? Well, I hope that you enjoy today as we teach from God's Word. If you have never downloaded my free mobile app, I want to encourage you to do that today. Simply search Awakened to Grace and download it wherever you get your favorite apps. Let's go to God's Word today, Galatians chapter 4, on this edition of Awakened to Grace. Galatians chapter 4, verse 19, Paul says something quite interesting. He says, my little children, I am again, that's a key word, again. In in anguish of childbirth, until Christ is formed in you. Oh, what a phrase in the Word of God. Until Christ is formed in you. I just want to pick this apart today. I want us to understand it the best of our ability. I want the Holy Spirit to reveal many truths and many principles into our life today. If you were to meet with myself and the leadership of Preaching Christ Church If you met with us privately and you came to one of our board meetings and you said, I am part of this church and I have a question today. I want to know what the bottom line of Preaching Christ Church is. I need to know what the bottom line is. You would never hear a financial number. You would never hear how much we have in our accounts. You would never hear what our property is valued at. Because those things are not our bottom line. Our bottom line is spiritual development in people's lives. Our bottom line is spiritual maturity in people's lives. And we will do anything it takes. We will work to the point of exhaustion. We will spend any amount of money that it takes to see the gospel go forward and to see people grow spiritually. Amen. And I want you to understand Paul's amazing heart today. Paul is telling the Galatian church, he is saying, I am literally pregnant with your spiritual growth. 
I asked Sadie this morning when we got up, I said, what's it like being pregnant? She said, miserable. <laughs> well, why'd you do it so many times? <laughs> and I personally, I thought it was very difficult. I remember, I remember with all four of ours, we go into the labor room and they make me stand through the whole thing. There's no bed for the dads. There are no snacks, no concessions. I mean, it's like, guys, am I right, men? We are totally neglected. Yeah. I just lost half the audience right there. <laughs> Being pregnant is hard, right, ladies? I'm getting you back. I'm trying. And Paul says, I'm in anguish. I want you to think about that. Again, I am in anguish and childbirth until Christ is formed in you. This word formed is quite extraordinary. In the Greek, in the original language of the New Testament, the word that Paul uses is morpho, M-O-R-P-H-O-O, morpho. It is where we get our English word morph. It means to change. It means to be fashioned. It means to form. And Paul says, until Christ is formed in you, I am in labor. I am in childbirth. Oh, that preaching Christ church would become a spiritual labor room. Laboring for the spiritual birth of prodigals. Amen? That's our purpose. God hasn't called us to come in here and be comfortable. God hasn't called us to come in here and just do our church thing. God has called us to travail. Do you ever travail over the people in your life? Are you in anguish? Will you drink from that cup of anguish that God can so burden you that you lose your sleep at night? Can God so burden you that you lose your appetite? Can God so burden you that you don't go about life, business as usual? Can God interrupt you and burden you as he did, Paul? Huh. For many of us, we gauge, we measure our spiritual development by our church attendance. But that's not what Paul says. We measure it by how many quiet times we have. But that's not what Paul says. Paul says, no, until Christ is formed, until he changes you, until he develops in you, until you have a striking Christ-likeness about you. Now, to understand verse 19, let's go up a little bit, and let's understand who Paul is talking to. Now, first of all, <clears throat> I want us to really zero in on this word again. What did Paul mean by again? I'm in labor again? I'm in anguish again? 
That Christ be formed in you? What's he mean? We have to understand when Paul came to the Galatians, they were pagans. They were living in a pagan culture. Galatia was a wicked area. And Paul comes to preach Christ, and he preaches with power, and he preaches Christ crucified. And all of a sudden, these precious people who were families just like us, you know, these families, they worked jobs just like we do. They were in trade guilds and unions, and I mean, they were, they were making a living, and they were living, many of them, in a city, and they, they were part of a church, and they were raising their children. And I mean, they were, just, they were families just like us. And Paul forms a church. They're called the Galatians. And he writes this amazing epistle to them. And I want you to look, I want you to skip up to like verses 8 and 9, and I want you to notice what he says. They used to be without Christ. They served idols. They were slaves to sin. They didn't know the Lord Jesus Christ. But now, verse 9, now they know God, or rather, they're known by God. Woo, I love that. Remember what he told the Corinthian church? He said, listen, you were adulterers. You were idolaters. You were wicked people. And he does this whole list of all these sins that for many of us, our lives would match that list. But then what does Paul say at the end of the list? He says, and such were some of you. That was your old life. That was who you once were. Amen. But it's not who you are today. Why? Because what has made the difference? Christ made all the difference in the world. Not religion, not church, Christ. Christ made the difference. And I want to show you when I come back down, all the way back down to verse 19, when you get that right, when you get the internal right, not the external, the internal, then do you know what happens? Then Christ begins to form inside of you. And such a development begins to take place spiritually that you truly become a brand new creation. Old things pass away. Everything becomes brand new in your life. Amen. Have we not experienced that? Have we not tasted of that and seen the goodness of God in our life? Oh, just like the Galatians, we know God, but better yet, we are known by God because God knows those who are His. But now there's a problem. A problem happened in the Galatian church that happens in many of our churches. They started to focus on the externals, not the internal. So all of a sudden, this new and infant and exciting church that was planted, and all of a sudden, the gospel has come to them. It has set them free from idols. It has set them free from sin. But now they're being pulled into illegalism. Now they're being pulled into Christianity is more about what you do than who you are. If you're going to take notes, I want you to write this down today. Religion is always about doing the right things. You need to note that. Religion is always about doing the right things. Christianity is about being the right person. 
It's not about doing the right things. It's about being right with God. It's about doing when you become the right person following Jesus, you'll automatically begin to be drawn and attracted to the right things. Does that make sense? So here the Galatians, they, they're, they're getting deceived. They're, 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 this group called the Judaizers. And the Judaizers tried to pull them back into the law. They tried to pull them back into the externals. And Paul is going to say some really hard things to these precious people. Matter of fact, in verse 20, Paul's going to say, I wish I were with you in person so I could change my tone. Paul says, I'm going to be hard on you, and I know I'm being hard on you, but you need this. Paul was a father. Paul was a pastor. Let me tell you, the people who love you the most will tell you hard things. They will. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Friend, when people tell you hard things, you need to listen. You need to listen. So, follow me. So Paul's going to tell them something very difficult in chapter 11. Now, remember what he said. In, I, said I said chapter, I'm sorry, verse 11. Remember what he said in verse 19. Again, I am in anguish of childbirth. Well, what's he mean again? Well, he's already been in anguish over their salvation. And now they have turned from idols and from sin, and now they know God and are known by God, verses 8 and 9. But look at verse 11. Now Paul says, I'm concerned. I've labored over you in vain. Well, I would love to know what the heart of the Galatians felt when they read that. Labored over us in vain. Paul feels like our faith is in vain. Paul, Paul's their father in the faith. Paul says, yeah, I'm mightily disappointed in you. I feel like my work has been in vain over you. I've labored in vain. But then look what he does in verse 12. Like a very good father. How many of you know when you discipline your children, not only do you discipline, but then there should be tenderness about it too, right? Is that right or wrong? Have you ever disciplined your children and then a few moments later they come and loved on you? That's called discipline works. And don't you let this godless culture tell you not to discipline your kids. Amen. This culture is so godless, whatever the Bible says, it's going to go absolute opposite. And you better not listen to it. You better not listen to it. And so Paul, in verse 12, look what he does. Right after he disciplines them and stuns them, then he goes, brothers, brethren. Oh, now, now watch, watch the tenderness of Paul. In verse 13, he says, when I came to you and preached the gospel to you, I came with a bodily ailment. Now, what was this bodily ailment? We believe it was Paul's eyes. We believe that Paul suffered in his eyesight. Now, why, why do we believe this? Well, several reasons. One, you remember in uh, 1 Corinthians, I believe. Uh, oh, come on, Chad, get the download. Um, where does it say my grace is sufficient for you? I have received a thorn in the flesh. Uh, well, you're no help at all. <laughs> Sometimes people ask me, do you preach with an earpiece? <laughs> nope. <laughs> now you can really tell. 
I can't remember the reference. Well, you can find it on your own. He says, second, correct, what chapter? 12? 12, 9. I was one book back. All right. Second Corinthians 12, 9. What's he say? I've received a thorn in the flesh. But what did the Lord say to him? My grace is sufficient for you. What was the thorn in the flesh? We're not 100% sure. But listen, you remember how Paul met Dr. Luke? He met him in Troas because he was seeking medical help. Why, why was Paul seeking medical help? You know, you know why I think one reason why Dr. Luke, who was a medical doctor, traveled so much with Paul? I can't imagine what Paul's body suffered. Remember, remember what he said, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. What did he mean? All the persecutions he went through. Can you imagine the whippings that Paul received? How that opened up his back and sides and chest. Can you imagine the risk of infection and the pain that it must have? Can, can you imagine being stretched? As Paul was. Can you imagine being stoned as Paul was? Shipwrecked as Paul was? Imprisoned and beaten as Paul was multiple, multiple times? You don't think that his body didn't have after lingering effects? And I think Dr. Luke, the Lord sent him there to help him. Praise God for that. In another letter, Paul says, See, I have written this with my own hand in large letters. That's another clue that perhaps Paul had difficulty seeing. But here's the strongest evidence. Look what he tells these Galatians. He says, when I came to you, I had a bodily ailment. But look how he says in the next verse that they received him. I think verse 14. He says, you did not scorn me. It was a trial to you. It was a burden to you. In other words, what Paul is saying is it must have been repugnant to them. Scholars believe that if it were his eyes, perhaps... Perhaps they, they oozed or it was repugnant. And Paul said, you didn't scorn me. You loved me. You received me. And then look what he says in verse 15. This is extraordinary. He says, and your blessedness. For if you could have gouged out your own eyes and given them to me, you would have. Huh. That verse alone. I think, tells us that Paul had vision issues. And here, these precious people of Galatia, they received Paul and they loved Paul. And there's such a tenderness there. And there's such an affection there. And the affection, Paul says, is both ways. And Paul says, you are my little children and I've birthed you spiritually. And the people go, Paul, we love you so much. If we could take out our own eyes and give them to you, we would. And now Paul's saying, what happened to you? Who bewitched you, he says earlier in the chapter, in the, in the book. Who has tricked you? Who has deceived you? Who is making your faith futile? Every one of us should realize we all have the potential of our faith becoming disqualified. Don't think that you are above deception. Don't think that you are not vulnerable to falsehoods. No. It is a watch out for all. That's why Jesus said, pray and watch. And so Paul is saying some hard things to the Galatians. And then look at verse 16. This is what really surprises me. Pastorally, fatherly. 
Paul says, am I then become your enemy? Because I tell you the truth. Boy, if there was ever anything about Paul, he was a straight shooter. He wasn't going to beat around the bush, was he? He was going to tell you straight. Paul was a man of truth. And Paul says, this affection that we have shared, this affection that we have felt for one another, am I now your enemy because I tell you the truth? Then in verses 17 and 18, he gives a warning against these godless Judaizers, these people who are trying to pull them off the narrow path, these people who are trying to pull them back into the law and remove them out of grace. And that's what the entire epistle of Galatians is about. That's why he says in chapter 5, verse 1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Therefore, stand in your liberty, stand in freedom, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of slavery. Don't go back to legalism. Don't go back to religion. Don't go back to the externals. Live in the grace of God is what he's saying, because there's freedom and grace. Now, Now we come to verse 19. Now let's really understand it. Let's really extract out of this. Now he's going to say, now again, notice the affection. He tells them really hard things. I feel like I've labored over you in vain. Am I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? And now look what he says, my little children. (laughs) Oh, how Paul loved them. My little children, whom I am again. Now, do you understand why he says again? He has labored over their salvation. Now he's laboring over their spiritual development. You need to note that. He labored for their salvation. Now he's in labor for their spiritual maturity. And he says, again, I am in childbirth. I'm in anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Let's understand that phrase, formed in you. What is the point? Well, as I said, the Greek word here is morpho, M-O-R-P-H-O-O. It means to change. It means to conform. It means to mold. In, In materials, picture a craftsman, perhaps a blacksmith of this day, shaping and forming and conforming material. That would be the usage like in Romans 8.29. Scripture, Paul said, we are predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. What does that mean? That means there should be such Christ-likeness inside me that I become his exact imprint. Whoa, did you catch that? There ought to be such Christ-likeness inside me that I become the replica. He's the original. I'm the imprint. A little six-year-old boy one time came to his pastor, asked him to, how he could become saved. And the pastor led the little boy in the sinner's prayer, and the little boy prayed the prayer, and the pastor said, Congratulations, son. Jesus now lives inside you. And the little boy was stunned. And the little boy said, what? He said, Jesus lives in little me? He goes, yeah. 
He said, well, wouldn't he stick out somewhere? (laughs) And that's the point. Christ ought to stick out in your life, in your attitude, in your behaviors, in your actions. He ought to stick out. Amen. One of the most toxic things I see in counseling, one of the most toxic attitudes I come across is when someone believes that the other person will never change. I've had a man, a man that I like very much, but is utterly convinced that people cannot change. And he has argued with me to the death that people cannot change. Can someone truly, truly change? I would say no and yes. I would say no if someone tries to change their actions. And see, that's what most of us try to do. We try to change our behaviors. We try to change our actions. That's why people go to therapy. That's why people join health clubs. That's why people make New Year's Eve resolutions. That's why people read self-help books. Because there is a desire in each of us to transform our life, right? There's a desire to be better. There's a desire to improve ourselves. There's a desire to grow. But we get discouraged because we find we can't do it on our own. And that's true. Can someone truly change? No, not in themselves they can't. Do you know why? Because, listen, you can can cut the fruit all you want. But until you get down to the root... The fruit's going to keep growing. You can change your behavior. You can change your attitude. That's just like like taking a fruit tree and cutting it off. Oh, sure, it's going to be cut down for a while. But because the roots are still there, what's going to happen six months, eight months later? It's going to grow right back. And that's why many of you listening today, that's why you're stuck in a cycle. That's why your marriage will get better for a few months and then all of a sudden get back in a crazy cycle. That's why some of you embrace sin and then all of a sudden God convicts your heart and you'll cut it off for just a short while. But inevitably, it comes right back into your life. Why? You've never severed the root. You cut the fruit. But you've never laid hold of the axe of God's word and severed the root. You must sever the root. Can someone change on their own? Oh, the actions can get better. The behaviors can get better. But that's not true change. That's not lasting change. Can someone truly change? Well, let me give you the gospel answer. Many of you just said it. The gospel answer is yes. Why can someone truly change? Because the nature changes. Note this word morpho. Pay attention with me. The Greek word that Paul uses is not the same as in a blacksmith 
taking material and conforming it or shaping it. Okay? The Greek word that Paul uses, as in morpho, is a medical term. Isn't that interesting? And you know what the word picture in the Greek is of this word morpho, medical term? It literally means an embryo in a mother's womb beginning to grow. In other words, it's spiritual development. In other words, it's Christ-likeness developing, maturing inside of you. Amen. That's what Paul has in mind. The word in its essence is inward change. In essence, it is the nature of a person. And let me tell you what happens when you become authentically born again. When you really surrender your life to Jesus, you begin to follow the Lord with all of your heart. Do you know what the Bible says? 2 Peter chapter 1, verse number 4. It says, we share in the inheritance of God's divine nature. God has given us His very nature. You know why your kids act just like you? Because they got your nature. Is that right or wrong? They act like you because they're born of you. And should we not act like God? Should sin not bother us the way it bothers God? You know, the best definition of spiritual maturity I've ever heard is this. When you begin to feel the way, when you begin to feel about sin the way God feels about it, you're on your way to spiritual maturity. When you begin to feel towards sin the way God feels about it, you're on your way to spiritual maturity. Morpho, to change inward. What did we say? Religion is about the external. Christ is about the internal. So what about you? How do you measure your spiritual growth? Do you measure your spiritual growth by the external? Do you measure your spiritual growth by how many boxes you check spiritually? Or do you measure your spiritual development by who you are? What did we say? Religion is about doing the right things. Christianity is about becoming the right person. Religion is all about the external, as the Pharisees were. Christianity is all about the internal, where Christ really dwells. I want you to pay attention to this phrase. Until Christ is formed, we know what that means now, like an embryo growing in a womb, we now know what it means to be changed internally. Okay. Now, note this phrase. In you. Everybody say, in you. Say amen if you're with me right now. Now, this is going to bless you. This is going to help many of you. Many of you have had a religious mindset and not a Christianity mindset. Let me help you right here. For so many of us, we have, we, we, we have done the Christian thing like it is Christ and us. Like we're some kind of weird tag team. 
Christ will work at it for a while and then tag, it's our turn. And then we'll work as hard as we can work for a while. I'll try to do my devotions. I'll try to read the Bible. I'll try to pray as much as what I can pray. I'll try to not cuss as much. I'll try to come to church every time the door. And I'll try and I'll try and I'll try and I'll try and I'll try. It is not Christ and you. No, it is Christ in you. In other words, it is his power. It is his transformation. It is his work that he's doing inside of you. Can we say amen today? I don't want some man-made religion. I want the power of Christ living inside of me. And when you begin to live in that kind of power, then your whole life transforms. As a matter of fact, Paul worded it like this. Go quickly to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Go there really fast. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And see, if some of you will get this in your heart, If you'll begin to understand, it's not about me trying anymore. It's about me surrendering. (laughs) What a difference. Because some of you, you you try with all your might to follow God. And you try to be a good Christian. And you try to do the right things. But it leaves you just empty and exhausted. It's because, friends, you're doing it the wrong way. It's not about trying. It's about surrendering. It's about giving up and saying, Lord, you form in me. You shape my attitude. You shape my actions. You shape my behaviors. You shape my decision making. You shape my thoughts. Amen. And let me tell you, you step into that type of discipleship. Oh, then you're going to know. Oh, you're going to know what spiritual development really is. Reading your Bible is great. You should do it. Prayer, yes, you must do it. Yes, church attendance, it's so important. And and I'm proud that you're here today. It's so important. But let me tell you, spiritual development is not a checklist. It's Christ forming in you. It's Christ forming. It's, It's morpho. It's morphing. It's changing into the very likeness of Jesus himself. 2 Corinthians 3.18. Paul says it's... You remember when Moses went up to Mount Sinai to receive the commandments of God? And then remember he got so angry over the golden calf. Let me tell you something. You think you got anger problems? Study the life of Moses. Do you remember he killed a man? You remember he struck the rock instead of speaking to it? Remember he broke the very tablets that God took his very finger and wrote upon? How would you like to tell God that? Uh, God, I'm back. See, what happened was, it, they slipped. <laughs> no. I mean, could you imagine? I mean, come on, right? And God had to redo them. 2.0. Okay. And here, Moses, I, I'm being silly, but in all seriousness, Moses is on Mount Sinai face to face with the Lord. Oh, my goodness. Face to face, I should say, with God's presence. 
You remember when he came down from the mountain? What, what, what happened to his face? He was transformed. He was glowing. They had to put a veil over him because the glory of God was on him. Can you imagine? And you know what Paul tells these crazy Corinthians who had everything in the world wrong with them? Paul had to tell really hard things to the Corinthians because for a long time they couldn't get their act together. But, but see what, again, what was Paul's heart? He was in agony. He was in anguish of childbirth that people would grow spiritually. And look what he tells these Corinthians and what he would say to us today. So just like Moses, God desires to transform you. Look at that word transform. What a beautiful word. Transform you from one degree of glory to the other. God wants to shine on you. You ought to have Christ so formed within you. Let me tell you, I get jealous when I think about Moses and the glory of God so much that his face had to be veiled. But let me tell you, we have nothing to be jealous over because you know what Moses didn't have that you and I have? We have Christ being formed inside us. Amen. That's a major thing. And what did he tell the Ephesians that Christ wants, or Colossians? Christ wants to dwell in our hearts richly. Christ dwells within you. Should he not stick out somewhere? Should his glory not shine all over your life? Woo! Amen. Hmm. Lastly, go to Romans 12, verse 2. I just want to zero in as I conclude today on this word transformed. Romans 12, 2. Paul is going to tell the Romans, you're not to be conformed to the image of this world. Remember, it's a form of morpho. You're not to be conformed. Uh, Romans 8, 29. You're to be conformed to the image of God's Son, not to the image of the world parallel that but then look at a step further but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good acceptable and perfect will of God that word transformed there different than morpho in Galatians 4.19 transformed is where we get our English word metamorphosis. You know what that means? Process. Process. God's got many of you today in a process of change. Of transforming you. Let God do His good work in you. Because let me tell you what's happening to you, child of God. Christ is forming. You're becoming more Christ-like. You're developing. Just like that gestation period. But that gestation period, man, I t the more that baby grows, whew, the more tired you get, right? I remember when Sadie was pregnant, she, I'd say, how do you feel? She said, I don't know. I'm growing lungs. I'm tired. That's a little dramatic. I don't know. I'm growing a kidney. So, such drama. 
<laughs> oh, I hope she's not in here. She is? Well, let's pray and go home. <laughs> Let me tell you, if you really, if you really want to see her get mad, I mean really mad, you let me say, you let me say, you know, it's amazing. All I remember is all four of our children slept all through the night as a baby. I never remember them waking. She's like, that's because you can sleep through anything. I said, I don't know. God gifted me. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. Chad, what's happening to me? Christ is being formed. It's a hard process. It's uncomfortable. It's laborsome. It's tiring. It's exhausting sometimes. But it's worth it. It's worth it. Let Christ be formed in your attitude, in your behavior. in the way you think. Oh, transformed by the renewing of your mind. In the way that you feel. Christ may dwell richly in our hearts. And you know what I have found, church? As Christ forms my thinking and as Christ forms my feelings, my mind and my emotions, I become more and more the way I think and the way I feel. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for loving us so much. Those crazy Corinthians, Lord, had all kinds of pride and immorality and all kinds of wickedness. Carnal. They were just carnal. And yet you developed them spiritually the Galatians being pulled aside and being dragged out of truth and into error. And no, no, you didn't write them off. You loved them. You claimed them for your own and you grew them. God, many people listening today, many in the audience, many, many more listening on other platforms. They're in error today. They're in sin today. They're carnal. They're prideful. They're arrogant. But you don't write them off. You desire to transform them. So Lord Jesus, may you do your great work in us. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, why don't you just ask the Lord right now, Transform me. Morph me. Change me. Mold me. Shape me. Conform me to the very image of Jesus. Let my life be less about me, more about you. If you enjoy the daily broadcast of Awaken to Grace, then I want to invite you to subscribe to our podcast. 
You can get our podcast wherever you get your favorite shows. Simply search Awaken to Grace Weekly Sermons.